Jim Britt and Jim Lutz had a vision, and the Change Book series was developed. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, Work-Life Balance Specialist, Deb Crow. Join Deb weekly where she interviews the top co-authors from all over the globe who share their insights into self-empowerment with life-enhancing realizations that will touch every area of your life. We're live every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. It's a, an amazing, sunny, beautiful, mild day in Canada. We've had some snow this week, so we're starting to see some traditional weather. But the sun is shining here, and I welcome you to the Change Book Radio Show. I'm Deb Crow, one of the co-authors from Book 5. And again, today, I have the utmost honor and privilege to interview two amazing co-authors, we're going to start with Moni Patterson. Moni lives in Ohio, and she is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, and wellness educator. She has over 20 years of successful entrepreneurial experience. As an entrepreneur, she owns and runs two business consulting firms, as well as an exclusive organic nutritional supplement and cosmetic line that is marketed through certified reps across America as well as some international countries. She is a wellness relationship and liberation coach that teaches on the art of connection through mind, body, and spirit. She's featured on a regular radio show with a segment entitled Ask Moni. She has worked on projects with many world-renowned motivators and is the proud co-host of Wise Women Weekly, presented by the popular success platform Enlightened Networking. Moni recently became a published author with The Change in Volume 6, and she has some of the greatest peak performance experts in the world as her colleagues. Her mission in life is to help everyone learn how to connect, prosper, and experience total life wellness by spreading the message of spiritual and physical health and hope to the masses. So, Moni, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mama Deb. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's so lovely to chat with you. I know we've we've been Facebook fans together and friends, and I know that you and I are going to work on some exciting collaboration in 2016. So just a pleasure to have you for the next 30 minutes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Now, we have 30 minutes together, and I know your level of passion, and I would love for you to share with the listeners a little bit about your businesses and your passion, because I just think the way you tell it is so elegant, and again, your, your passion is unparalleled. So give us a little overview of your passion and your businesses. Wow, because I have so many businesses, Deb, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> uh, I really am a serial entrepreneur, but I think the one that I'm probably most passionate about right now um, is my business. It's called Bellativa, and Bellativa is a company that's really built on nutritional wellness and on taking the best that nature has to offer and bring it to the masses. And my general focus, though, especially as we're moving forward, is really going to be about women's health and wellness, um, especially as we're getting older and the changes that we're going through within our 
bodies, to be able to have a place for women to be able to come and experience products that are clean, that are organic, but that are also efficacious is something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, in addition to what I'm doing with Bellativa and the women's brands that are emerging, um, I'm also very passionate about what I do within my coaching practice by really helping people to be able to see where they are um, and really experience a new level of vision. One of the things that I like to say that I do is I don't necessarily make people better. I just illuminate the greatness that's already within them and allow them to be able to see from a different perspective. Um, that's one of the things that really got me um, really passionate about being an entrepreneur in general was, was just my ability to, as Jim Lutz often says, to be able to see with vision and not just with sight. And I'll never forget when he quoted that, and I remember what that was like for me because it made so much sense you know, to, to my being and how I was anyway. You know, I could see, you know, 90% of the people looking in one direction, I would automatically look in the other direction and see what are we missing? Are there any things that we can do? And how can we do this with the ultimate ability to serve and to serve the people, to serve mankind in the way that best suits my own soul's calling, if that makes sense. And so, um, that's what I do. So that's what I help people do, you know, in addition to that. So I help them to understand what it is that they're here to do, and I help them to be able to see how they can do it and only the way in which they can do it. Well, and just listening to some of the words that you said, I love that you help illuminate the greatness. I mean, in listening to your approach and your passion, you take a very holistic approach with your clients. Is that fair to say? It's very fair to say, uh, Deb. It's very fair to say because I know the approach that I needed, you know, and, and it's it's a bit of a blend, you know, because I know that in some cases for me I needed a holistic approach in the beginning, especially when I needed to heal from old thought patterns, heal from old wounds, you know, things that really were, were um, keeping me blocked from, from that realization, from the visions um, that I needed to step into. And so the holistic approach is what I do, you know, in part of what I do, but but there was also a part for me where I needed to be pushed into that greatness because, you know, I don't know of anyone um, who hasn't at some point felt a little fear or trepidation about what they were going to do or, or even the grandness, you know, looking at the grandness of what, you know, they dream of, you know, oftentimes there's, you know, a lack of confidence you know, that's there. And so for me, I needed that push. And so I'm very sensitive to understanding when there is a need for a very holistic and spiritual approach to also when that spiritual approach needs to be uh, with a little bit more pressure to say, you know what, you've got this. Let's squeeze everything out of you that we absolutely can. Because at the end of the day, I, I say this often, I want to leave here knowing that whatever juiciness life had for me that I was it if it was sour at least I was it I tasted it if it was sweet you know hallelujah at least I tasted it but there's nothing better than being in the arena and being out there and just doing it and so and that's really what I strive to do within my my practice as far as the coaching goes I, so it's a it's not just you know I, I and I'm saying that because I don't want people to feel like you know oh it's just all about you know let's wrap the arms around and kumbaya and hold your hand through there because no there are times when we need to say you know what come on on, dig deep, you've got this, let's go. And so I know I need to do that for myself. And so I like to say that I'm more balanced in my approach rather than solely holistic. (laughs) 
Well, and you just said one of my favorite words, balance. And I I love that you want to leave a legacy. I very much feel the same way. I know you've got uh, children. I believe you have sons. I have daughters. I do, yeah. And, you know, just reviewing what you've said, if we can help them learn coping strategies, yet really dig deep, and it's okay to feel that fear and trepidation because it's always on the doorstep mm-hmm. of greatness, isn't it? Oh, and my I always, goodness. I love how you said that. Yes, absolutely. I always say to my children, and it's, it's a quote from Louise Hay, I do not fix problems. I fix my thinking, and then the problem fix themselves. And I think you just mm-hmm. did a beautiful framing of that and what you said. And, and Jim Lutz, you know, he is phenomenal. And I think people can be myopic. And I don't think it's intentional. I don't think they mean mm-hmm. to be short sighted. But you have to mm-hmm. hold on to that little bit of fear to see the vision. Because if you just see with sight, then the dream's not big enough. It's not scary enough. You know, I I could not agree with you more, and it's so interesting because there are so many people who always talk about, you know, you've got to overcome fear. You've got to overcome fear. You know, that's when you're going to see that you're great. And and I I understand that, but they believe that that means that fear should never affect you, that you should never, you know, feel it. You should, you know, and I just I don't agree with that. I think that it's about what we do. There was one of my one of the favorite women speakers that I used to love to listen to. Her name was Joyce Meyer, and she gave a definition of courage and. And she just said that courage wasn't the absence of fear, it was doing it afraid. You know, it was going ahead, feeling it, recognizing it, processing it, but moving through that. And so I always tell the truth to people. And, and you mentioned, you know, the legacy. I, I share those things with my sons quite often, you know, and I, and I want them to see the journey because I want them to see when I have fallen and stood back up as much as I want them to see me win. You know, it, it's just as important because life isn't always going to give you, you know, the peaches, but it's, a, or you know, or the pumpkin pies or whatever, you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, you know, that we think that we're going to get. Sometimes we, we you know, we, you know, drink from a bitter cup, but it is in that that we learn, that we grow, that we're strengthened. And so, yes, that to me is the legacy. And, and one of the things, Deb, and I know we don't have very much time, but I know one of the things that was so important to me when my son, uh, and it, it actually brought tears to my eyes, he said, Mom, it was my, my middle son, he said, I am so proud of you. And I said, really? I said, what made you say that? Because he's really a quiet one, you know, and, and he said, I have watched you try again and again and I've watched you get back up and dust yourself off and put a band-aid on but you got back up and now I'm watching you win and I'm really really proud of that and for me it meant everything because I never wanted to paint the picture that 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 I'm not you know nervous in what I do you know even with this show today I got on here and I said well I don't know what we're going to talk about but the most important thing that I can give this audience is myself I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say how it's going to come across because you will always get the best and most authentic version of me and so in this conversation as you and I sit here and we talk about these things and we talk about the importance of moving through and as you said feeling those feelings means that you're on the doorstep to greatness. It's so true because if it's not big enough, if it's not scary enough, if it doesn't make you a bit weak at the knees, you are not dreaming big enough. You are not seeing the grandness of who you can and should and will become if you just have the courage to keep stepping forward little by little, step by step, and eventually leap by leap and just going all for it. 
Well, I I don't even know what to say after that. I the synergy that you and I have and and the like mindedness is it's like you're my twin. I I couldn't concur with you more and I I love the phrase that you coined for your children, drink from a bitter cup. I I've said to my girls, I'm the queen of getting back up. You know, my my kneecaps can be bruised and scraped and cut. And I've taught my children, and I even teach my clients, fear and trepidation, again, they're just, they're made up stories. I love Jim Britt's whole theory on letting all of that go, and there's just no mm-hmm. time. You need, to, you need to flick that emotion off your shoulder and just launch forward. And I, my acronym for, for failing is first attempt in learning. And, you know, I mm. love looking at all the great you know, all the entrepreneurs that we look at with just pure awe and they'll all say how many times they've failed. And it doesn't matter who you look at, who we have presently or who we've had in the past. No entrepreneur has had uh, a smooth ride to the top. But I think what separates the ones that make it from the ones that don't is just how they they look at themselves and that whole self-reflection piece. But just how they decide to handle and look at things. I think that that really is the leverage that carries us through. And you made me think of a quote, Monty. There's a quote from Eugene Ware, and he says, all glory comes from daring to begin. And that's that's pretty mm. much what you just said a few minutes ago. And, you know, tomorrow's a new day, right? Today's a present. It's a gift. But if, you know, I always say that in work-life balance. It's not about perfection. It's about progression. Oh, I and love you know, that. It's so funny you said that. I was, yeah, wow. I was literally just thinking that, uh, Deb. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but, you know, you, you when you brought that up, that was so, so good. I'm going to have to quote you as I, as I turn back and listen to this again. But that's so true, not about perfection, but it's about progression. And I remember when I first started, I began again, and then I would scrap it. And then I would begin again, and then I would scrap it. And then I would begin again, and then I would scrap it because I was seeking perfection. Oh, is this good enough? I was holding myself up against the mirror of perfection. Well, what about this? Or what about that? Or, oh, I could have said that differently. And the problem was I just wasn't making any progress. You know, I had a lot of perceived work, but the true work was internal. That's where the true work began. It was about knowing that, hey, you know, it's not about me being perfect, but it is about me showing up. It is about me doing it. It's about me doing the work, not about it being perfect. There's plenty of time to perfect things. You know, there's plenty of time to to hone our skills. But, boy, were you right on target with that one. Absolutely. Well, that's one of Mama Deb's favorite quotes, and I relate it strictly to work-life balance because I think as moms, we're very hard on ourselves. And with Mm -hmm. Christmas coming, you know, everybody wants to turn into Martha Stewart and have the best decorated house. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting. We're having this conversation. I have a friend who conducted a study out of Harvard. You're going to love this, Monty. And they looked at children from age three to, I believe, age 10 or 12. And they did this over a, a number of months. And since Christmas is close, it's a great story to tell. And they said to the children, and again, think of the age group, 
what do you want Santa Claus to bring you? And right away, they were all given crayons or pencils, depending on their age, and they made their list. And then they gave them a drink and a snack, and they let them play for a little bit. And they came back in the room, and they said, now, what do you want from your mom or dad? Because they picked that key age group of that believing in Santa. And mm-hmm. then when they, when they offered the second question, the, the, the most common two answers were, I want to spend more time with my mom and dad, and I want to play. Wow. Wow. How powerful is that? It's, it's very profound, and it's part of the reason why I do what I do. You know, one of the things that was really important to me on my entrepreneurial journey, um, because before I began, I remember what it was like. I was tra- traveling back and forth to Congress quite a bit, and, and I did a lot of historic things, you know, for the state of Ohio on both the state and the federal level within the legislature, and I did a lot of advocating for on behalf of people with disabilities, and I was really proud of, of my work, you know, and I remember what it was like being um, – um, in one of the senator's offices, and and um, just for brevity's sake, I'll you know I'll kind of share what happened. They, my sons were calling me and calling me and calling me, and I remember saying, "Excuse me, senator, you know I, I need to take this." And I was thinking, you know, there had to be something terribly wrong that they continue to call me back to back to back, knowing that I'm on Capitol Hill. And um, when I answered the phone, there was absolutely nothing wrong except for they weren't getting along with each other and no one could solve their squabble but mom. And when I looked at it, you know, and it was, Mom, he used messing with me or something. I don't remember exactly what was said, but, um, but that was the gist of it. And it was in that moment that I said, you know, it's really not about the squabble when they're calling me back to back. You know, it's not about whether or not they shared a toy or, or if someone, you know, was annoying the other one, you know, because boys, you know, they're, that's, they're, they're boys, right? But, but really what it was, they were wanting me. You know, and it was in that time, you know, that I had the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'd always dabbled in entrepreneurship, but it was then that I knew that I wanted to do it full time because I wanted to be able to be there because I knew how important my presence would be. And now, even as I'm doing what I'm doing, they get to shadow me. They get to come to meetings with me. They get to work the tables. They get to watch what I do, you know, so that at the end of the day, if they decide that they want to go and get jobs, they're more than welcome to. But if they decide that that they want to tap into something uh, that that allows them to be creative and give more of themselves, they will be fully equipped to be able to do that. And if I did not have the courage to step into this journey, even though I get nervous, even though there are times when I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is bigger than I anticipated that it was going to be, at least I'm giving them the option so they will always, always, always have that choice for what they want to do with their lives. And it's really, really a beautiful thing. And for me, it's one of the greatest gifts that I can give them as a mother to be able to see the truth, to see me live the truth and live my own truth in a big way and give them permission to do the same while also giving them the skill set to be able to do it. Wise words from another mama. I love it. So (laughs) let, let me ask you a question. Okay. You know how excited I am about the Change Book series. I mean, I just doing this radio show is just such a blessing in my life. We we are this growing weekly global community with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and the Change Book series. Tell our listeners what excites you about that. Wow, I don't even know where to begin. First of all, 
Jim Lutz is someone that I knew personally. I, I got to meet him um, within my entrepreneurial journeys, and Jim imparted so much wisdom to me and to my life. Um, I really cannot even tell you uh, what his friendship and mentorship has meant to me. I remember when I first went through one of his programs and it was on a subconscious mind retraining. And I was at that time really wanting to learn so much about, you know, that part of the mind, you know, that, that where the programs were. And I was so intrigued when I first learned about it. And then to find that he was the foremost expert on that, that was really, really exciting for me. And so I remember reaching out to him and, and um, what it was like to become one of his clients. And, and Jim has a very, um, he's, he's very intellectual in his approach, yet at the same time he understands the human mind in ways that not many people do. I then went on to go through his confidence uh, CD. It was called You're Confident, and I'm sure he probably still markets that. And I remember what that was like, just listening to it and, and allowing myself to breathe through the steps that I was just referring to earlier and, and to have the confidence to just, you know, just go for it. And so when they came out with the, the Change of Book series and he mentioned that he was doing this collaboration with Jim Ritt, well, of course, you know, the man who's coached over a million people, who was Tony Robbins' first coach, who uh, was partners with Jim Rohn, all the people that we, that we admire and that we look up to because they are just such huge change agents in the world, to see that we had the opportunity to collaborate with them uh, was just a huge for me. And I remember when they first reached out to me and gave me that call, let me know what they were doing. It was one of those things that you you just, you know, it's not really a question of whether or not you're going to say yes. You're going to say yes because, you know, that opportunity doesn't come often. You know, it hasn't come often in my lifetime. And so to be able to say that I'm a part of the fastest growing book series in the world, um, that I am one of the incredible co-authors because people like you, Deb, and, and Kevin is coming on later and others who are just absolutely dynamic people. I mean, seriously, this series has the most amazing people that I have ever met. Just to see how your hearts are pouring out to affect global change has just been amazing. And so the honor of being able to be a part of the change, and I'm in volume six, so that you all know. So there's a little plug for the Change Volume 6 and all of them, of course, which are, which are all wonderful. Um, it's just really a huge blessing for me. I mean, I'm so honored, and I was so honored to have been asked to be a part of it and to just um, to stand beside such giants. You know, it's historical, and it's something that when we talk about leaving legacies, my children will always be able to look back and say, my mom was here, and they'll be able to see my name on that front cover, you know, alongside of other giants like yourself. And so what else can you say besides if they are still doing more volumes, get involved because we're doing major, major things. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Well, and as a mom, there's there's nothing more, uh, I call it goosebumpy, than your kid looking at you and saying, I'm so proud of you, mom. It's We are this 24-hour, seven-day-a-week record button that's on and everything that we do and how we carry ourselves and how we react, we're modeling that for them. So, you know, I look at my children and see these amazing young women that I know are learning to be uh, the best version of their of themselves. And that's what I always say. Your mom is, is a lifelong learner and will be till the day I leave the earth. And I'm, yes, I'm planning absolutely. on being 100. 
I'm going to be 100 for sure. Awesome. I love it. Well, we definitely could use 100 years of your awesomeness. That's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So I would love for you, we have about five minutes left, and I want to read a segment um, out of your book. So like you had mentioned, you're in book six, and the title of your chapter is No More Hiding. And it's very Mm -hmm. similar to uh, one of the authors that I interviewed last week. And the interesting part about it is your first chapter pulled me in like no other. I I had to stop and reread it again. So I would like to read the beginning of your chapter. And I really encourage everybody to get a copy or, you know, ask you for a PDF of your chapter. Because to me, it's like, not only did you find, but you came into the best version of you. So I'm just going to read it quickly, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. I've had the same recurring dream since I was a little girl. I would see myself walking into the building of a company that I owned. I was greeted every morning by the smiles of happy employees into a space that was meticulously designed with all of my favorite colors. The atmosphere felt loving, clean, and free. It was undoubtedly an area where creativity flowed abundantly. I would see myself speaking before large crowds and hugging scores of people afterwards who came to me expressing gratitude for how my words impacted their life. Each time this dream recurred, I found myself awakened, feeling energized and excited. However, an unexpected emotion would come over me almost immediately afterwards. I became extraordinarily nervous, so much so that I would ask myself, who am I to dream such big dreams? This dream was not something that I consciously contemplated. In school, I was taught like most people, go to school, get good grades, go to college, and get a good job with retirement benefits. Very powerful opening to your chapter, Moni. Wow, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I I remember sitting down and, and writing that, and um, it was true that I, I, I would go to sleep at night, and I remember what that felt like to get up and go, yeah, I'm going to do that. And, you know, and I could see the people, I could see the faces and, and all of those things. And here's the thing that's interesting about that dream. I'm actually now living that dream. You know, I've actually started the company. I actually now have the people who have come in and are continuing to come in. We actually just um, are getting ready to purchase the office space, you know, that, I mean, it's so uncanny, you know, what, what happened back then, you know, it's just a, it's just a little girl and to see all of those things um, begin to come to fruition now. Um, and yes, I am still, uh, I do still have those jitters, you know, whenever you're doing things that, that are on the cutting edge, whenever you're living and, you know, tapping into that energy of your truest being, like what you're here to do, you're going to feel that, you know, the last thing that I want to feel is complacent and comfortable. That's the last thing that I want to feel because then I'm no, I know that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But, yeah, that, that dream, um, the reason why I opened it up that way was because of the fact that 
um, it really was almost prophetic in nature as if, you know, somehow on that subconscious level as a little girl, I knew what I would be doing. And, and now I'm doing that very thing that used to be a part of my, my unconscious uh, dreaming world. So thank you for that. Well, and I just want to sum things up and say that I, I love how you're living your life uh, with purpose and authenticity. I, I would coin you a purposeful networker. I, I think you bring the best out in people that you work with, and I'm sure your clients uh, would attest to that. Could you let our listeners know, because we've got about a minute and a half left, how do you how how do people get a hold of you? What's the best way? And do you have any courses or are you speaking somewhere in the new future that you can let us know about? Oh, great question. Great question. Well, um, yeah, so my website is monnypatterson.com, M-O-N-I-P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N.com. We are do, doing some updates on that. Um, we do have some exciting courses coming up uh, in the beginning of 2016. So this has been a time for me of really, um, you know, regrouping and seeing, you know, what was it that I wanted to offer. But we are definitely um, heading into some really exciting programming going into the new year. And um, as far as the coaching and things go, I do still accept uh, new clients um, and I have them message me directly at messagemoni at gmail.com or you can do info at monnypatterson.com so both of those are available uh, to you and of course my social media is, is there um, on, on Facebook it's monny.patterson on uh, Twitter it's monny I think Patterson1 <laughs> and then of course I'm also on Instagram um, but we do have some exciting speaking engagements coming up in 2016 um, we've got radio shows that are going to be coming back up with my segments will be there again. And hopefully they'll be able to come to some things that you and I are going to be putting together, Deb. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. So we'll we'll leave our audience hanging on that note. I I wish you nothing but continued success and abundance. I look forward to working with you and creating an amazing woman's initiative next year, 2016. And I want to thank you for the last 30 minutes. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. It's been my honor and my pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. You too, honey. Bye-bye. Such an exciting uh, 30 minutes talking with Moni. I just, I love her high energy. So we were talking a little bit about failure there today. And I thought of another really interesting quote from Joan London. And she says, Remove failure as an option and your chances for success become infinitely better. So I'd like to move into our next co-author and I'm just going to take a minute to introduce him. His name is Kevin Audley and Kevin has just an incredible heartfelt story. 30 years ago, Kevin fell uh, from two and one half stories off a roof in college and after landing on, on the cement and spending a week in intensive care, he sustained a severe head injury. So Kevin went back to school with a new appreciation for life and how he fit into his life now. Kevin has been a licensed professional counselor and coach for 19 years, and he has a different approach with his clients, and we're going to talk to him about that today. 
And he's written and been internationally published. And the title of his chapter in The Change is Your Own Best Friend. And most recently, he has created a phenomenal resource for parents to have access to positive parenting solutions that do not involve corporal punishment. In addition to that, the site will allow parents to have immediate access to parenting coaches on demand. And I'm just really excited to have Kevin on the show today. So, Kevin, welcome. Thank you, Deb. I'm very excited to be here. How are you? I am doing great. And and, and you know from, from the many conversations and emails that you and I've had since you joined our global community is, you know my love for for the the people uh, who have sustained head injuries in the world, because that was the last 25 years of my life. And you're such a testament, Kevin, for where you've come with your injuries and the success and the success that you have and you've brought yourself to. Yeah, that, uh, that fall off the roof actually kind of woke me up. Um, I was 20 years old, fell two and a half stories and, uh, um, I went back to school and, and completely looked at things differently and have looked at things differently ever since. So it uh, it actually was very enlightening for me. Well, and I, and I can concur with you. A lot of my clients have said that over the years that it was their wake-up call. And so I'd love for you to uh, – we have 30 minutes together. So tell us briefly what your area of passion and business is in, Kevin. Well, thank you, Deb. Uh, I, uh, I've been in practice for about 20 years, and very early on into my career, you know, the traditional approach to counseling is, you know, someone's depressed or anxious is to try to figure out what, what thinking is causing them to be depressed or anxious. And then the typical approach in counseling is cognitive behavioral therapy. And basically, the basic premise of, of the theory is that uh, you identify what their irrational beliefs are, and then basically what you do is you collaborate with the client set up experiments in the outside world and try to bring back enough evidence to the contrary that if they get enough evidence to the contrary that their thinking is incorrect, they're going to make some changes. And, um, you know, people would come in, I would use a lot, utilize that approach, but it didn't seem like people were making changes. So I went to my supervisor. I said, I need to learn something else. I need to go to a deeper level, maybe hypnosis or something along that line. And, uh, she goes, well, I need to tell you about a, a, a new approach called psychological kinesiology. There's a guy out in Denver that uh, was kind of in the same boat and did a bunch of research and figured out uh, basically a new technique that allows people to, to make change very quickly because um, oftentimes what holds us back is uh, at a subconscious level. And uh, as Einstein said, you, you can't think your way out of a problem at the level of mind at which you create it. So I went out and learned that. Uh, it, it started in Denver, and now it's all over the world. And that's what I do. I help people, you know, essentially, uh, bottom line, change their mind about themselves. And it's not a, it's not a long process. You know, uh, people could probably read all the self-help books in the world and go to counseling and, and figure out why they do what they do. But oftentimes, it doesn't allow them to change at a, at, at a deeper level. So this process, one or two sessions, I just help people create a little a picture of what they're looking to bring into their life and a very easy way to uh, to put it into place. So uh, rather amazing. Well, and I loved how you talked about your approach for cognitive behavioral therapy, which I'm very familiar with. But I, you know, I'm really hearing you echo about mindset and 
Monty and I were just talking about this, and I, I was quoting Louise Hay because we don't really have to have problems in our life. I think if we can shift our mind and our thinking, it certainly brings clarity into our life for what we're really trying to do and experience. So that's why I really love the work that you're doing, Kevin. Now, we're such a powerful global community with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz and the Change Book series. Tell our listeners what excites you. Tell our listeners well, what a, excites you. It, it's such a, a, a big platform, uh, and you can get them at, you know, just like the title of, of the, the book series says, it's The Change. It's an opportunity to to enlighten people uh, a different way of thinking and a different way of looking at their lives. So, and and the fact that I'm able to to uh, hook up and, and and collaborate with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz, uh, which I have just uh, the utmost respect for, that um, it's it's a wonderful opportunity for me to to not only get my own message out but also um, be a part of a, a bigger movement. Now, Kevin, do you work with um, all types of people, all different ages in your practice right now? I do. Anybody, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, I can work with a kid as, as young as probably five or six years old. Um, you know, and I think that's where th- things start ultimately is, uh, you know, and I, I've got that other website, PositiveParentingSolutions.org. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to try to change the approach parents are using with their children um, because the, your basic viewpoint of life is in place by the age five or six, and oftentimes people go their entire life. I, I wrote a book about this um, called Your Own Best Friend that, that you know, we're kind of socialized to believe that happiness is outside of ourselves, and the reality is it, it's a choice, and, and sometimes you can't do anything about what's happening in your life and um, uh, problems um, oftentimes, which appear to be problems, sometimes can actually be a good thing because they move you in a different direction. Well, and it makes me uh, think of a quote from Michael Pivak that every day is an opportunity to change things for the better. And what a nice quote, whether we're talking about able-bodied people or even the population of folks that I'm sure you've crossed paths with who've sustained a head injury. So I'd love for you to just talk about that for a minute and tell us what's one challenge that you see in people that your talents are addressing? Well, I think, I think a lot of people are looking over the fence uh, in order to be happy. I mean, we've got a lot of people that are you know, switching jobs and switching relationships, and they're on all kinds of medication because somehow they're not satisfied in the present moment. And the reality is, you know, you wake up every day and you step out of bed and you make your mind up how that day is going to be. So I, I believe happiness is a choice. But unfortunately, uh, the socialization process actually – you know, back in 1999, I was selling pharmaceuticals and uh, making really good money, had a company car, but I wasn't really happy. So uh, I quit my job, and everybody thought I was was uh, crazy to do that, but uh, I, I needed to make a change, and I sat down and started to write the book. And basically what I did is I examined the socialization process. How did I go from being a kid who was happy to be playing in a cardboard box that didn't care about what the kids had down the street or how they looked. I was just happy to be in the moment. How did I go from that point to, to basically looking over the fence and competing with the Joneses and um, not happy in the present moment? But if you go through and you look at the socialization process, it's across the board. As we grow up, you, know, you have to be a certain way, or you think you do, 
to be okay. I mean, you have to get good grades in theory to, to be in certain classes in school. You have to look a certain way according to society. You have to drive a certain car and uh, be in a certain house. It's, it's across the board, and if you believe that, then you're in trouble because the reality is all that stuff can can disappear, and then what are you going to do? So um, I think happiness, unfortunately, uh, we've been we've been kind of brainwashing to believe in it's outside of ourselves. In, in reality, uh, we knew long ago as children that uh, we're okay okay as we are. We just uh, we bought into illusion, and that's uh, the basis of my book. Well, I just and, and I love that, and I I love what you're doing with uh, positiveparentingsolutions.org, and I want to talk to you about that. The first sure. thing I I would love to ask you as an aside is, you know what what excites you about being part of this global community with Jim Britt and Jim Lutz? Well, again, it's, it's an opportunity to, to get a message out uh, on, on a big platform. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm in Kansas city. Uh, I'm a life coach. I don't uh, at the moment uh, have an international presence. It's a way to, to get in and, and be part of, of a much bigger movement with a, with a much bigger message. So uh, I see it as opportunity to, to not only and also get to collaborate with so many other good uh, co-authors that have all been successful, and it, it's just a big group on almost like a big family I'm able to be a part of. Kind of my well, people, so to speak. Well, and I feel the same way. I mean, I just have all of these amazing colleagues, and the amount of talent is just unparalleled. And a lot of people, including yourself, have become friends and. I just, again, it's just, it's not a chapter in a book. It's so much bigger than that. Right. Absolutely. And again, so, you know, this opportunity just kind of, uh, uh, I believe to a certain extent, ever since I fell off that roof and I survived, um, sometimes uh, happened for a reason. And um, uh, the, the hardest part sometimes is being, being a human being is to trust the process and know that, uh, you know, maybe there's a, a bigger, a bigger picture and, and maybe uh, you know, God God has a plan for you. I couldn't agree more with you. Well said, Kevin. So tell could you tell our listeners about your initiative with Positive Parenting Solutions? Because I'm lucky enough to know what you're doing and I've looked at your video, but I think it's such an important educational initiative and resource. So would you take a few minutes to just educate our listeners? Absolutely. Um, and I like to throw a, a quote out by William's, William Wordsworth, Wordsworth, excuse me, who said that the child is the father to man. You know, our basic view of life is in place by age five or six. And, and how, we, how we treat our children, I think, is of utmost importance. I didn't actually become a dad until I was 40 years old. And uh, talk about a wonderful gift. Um, I, uh, I didn't know that, uh, you know, I used to say that uh, that dogs were, were great because they're always happy to see you, but uh, children are happy to see you and they talk as well. Um, positive Parenting Solutions, my goal with that is to provide solutions and options to, to parents that are out there that, uh, you know, you have your child and you come home from the hospital and you don't have any idea, most people, on how to raise a child. Uh, we, don't, we don't go home with a manual underneath our arm. And what I'd like to do with Positive Parenting Solutions is be that place that one central resource that uh, parents can go to where they have positive parenting solutions 
and training that they can buy into and access to coaches. Because right now at the moment, the problem in my mind is the vast majority of parents, first of all, um, they do what their parents did to them. And the vast majority of parents are still uh, disciplining their child with, with spanking. And um, all the research out there, and I've done a lot of research on it, uh, says that spanking as a form of discipline uh, is maybe good in the short term, but long term is not very good for the child at all. The you know, pediatricians have come out against it, as well as the psychologists and psychiatrists, and it's been banned in 50 other countries. But that's what parents have fallen back on because, again, uh, there's so much disagreement in the field as to what's an appropriate form of discipline and how to parent a child, uh, even if someone does go to the Internet. Um, there's too many different places they can they can end up with all these different opinions. So positive parenting solutions in theory, uh, and what I'm looking to do is create one central resource, not only for access to positive solutions without corporal punishment, but also uh, access to coaches on demand. So uh, I, I think it's very much needed because, of, you know, at the moment, in, in my mind, um, spanking, um, it creates – and I've, I've watched a pediatrician. There was a lady, uh, her name escapes me at the moment, but uh, she was speaking uh, through TED Talks, uh, talking about the fact that uh, spanking um, creates a sense of fight or flight with a child. It puts, it stresses them out and induces a state of fear. And, and you know, much like the, our ancestors in the caves, if, if a tiger runs up on you, you're ready to fight or run, and your system gets ready for that situation. Adrenaline goes up and uh, we're, we're ready for that situation. To have that in place as a small child based on something your parents are doing to you, I think is very, very uh, bad for the child, and it doesn't help the relationship between the two of them. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I just I want to commend you because I think, I think what you've put together uh, for parents and the access that you're giving them, I think it allows those who want to change and be a better parent to do so from the privacy of their own home. It's a non-judgmental way for them to get education and your level of expertise. So you should just be very proud of that. I, I think it's a really well initiative and I, I'm just, I'm excited to watch you grow and develop this further. So kudos to you, Kev. Thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that actually just kind of came into my mind in, in the last year. Um, you know, I, I've worked with people that have had kids where, where one, one parent was, was using corporal punishment with the child and the other one wasn't using positive discipline. And uh, I've just seen the difference uh, in, in the child because I've also worked with the child. So. Well, and I, I know I that you and I, we've had some lengthy discussions and I was spanked as a child and much like you, Kevin, with your with your child, it's just a conscious decision to decide to break that habit and not and not choose that as the as you say the level of punishment. I think that sometimes parents forget that children are not many adults; they're children, and you speak to them at the level that they're able to receive and understand and process. And spanking does basically turn that fear or flight on in the front of the brain, in the frontal lobe. And it's something like you've witnessed with your friends. It just doesn't need to happen. You can still have a good outcome without having the physical punishment implemented to, to make your point to a child. 
I agree. I agree. You know, and I, I, I have my daughter 50% of the time. And uh, when, when she's with me, um, I give her my time. I don't sit here and watch the, the Kansas City Chiefs win or the Kansas City Royals. Uh, and I don't uh, put on the Jayhawks. I, I give her my time when she's here. And I think time equals love. And um, I think that's the right message to give to a child. Uh, obviously, they're children. They're going to make mistakes. And that's part of learning. I mean, you know, you, you come into the world, you don't know where the line in the sand is as far as what the rules are, what you can and cannot do. And you can imagine the number of no's that we all had to hear in the process of learning how to live uh, in society. So to, to spank them for making a mistake or, or you know, even the terrible twos, um, I don't really see terrible twos as a bad thing because the child at that point is starting to differentiate themselves from you and starting to gain some independence. So the, no can actually be a good thing. Do you really want your child to always go through life and, and say yes to everything, such as the, the, the peer influence in, in high school and then later on the, the potential for drugs? And you know, sometimes no is a good thing. Well, and, uh, I agree. I, I, I agree with you, Kevin. And it's one of my favorite words. And I, I love talking to my friends and colleagues who are in sales. And until you get enough no's to have in your life when you're selling and to develop that tough skin. And, and I love words and I love wordsmithing. And I, I know my co-author Alan, Witch is probably listening and no backwards is on. So I always say to my sales colleagues and friends, it just means the person's not on right now. Don't take it personal. Right. My whole family's in in sales. So, um, you know, with each no, you're getting closer to yes, just based on probability. So, Absolutely. You have a very powerful quote in your chapter, and you are in book eight of the Change Book series. And you quoted Henry David Thoreau, and his it's a it's a very popular quote. Most of us lead lives of quiet desperation. Why did you choose that for your chapter and, and what does that quote resonate within you? Well, I think a lot. I mean, it's all you have to do is look at society and, and the number of changes that people make. They, they change. You know, we we bought into the idea uh, from early childhood that happiness and the idea that we're okay or not okay is outside of us, and that's you know that's put in place um, across the board based on interaction with parents and and school and religion, advertising, even you know even your job. You get your yearly evaluation. They tell you how good you are. Um, and I, I used to be a supervisor in one of my jobs, and I used to give out these evaluations. And I, I, I used to tell them, well, this is a number, you know, because oftentimes that was bottom line. Um, but the reality is you have to know your own truth. And I think people have forgotten who they are and forgotten the fact that regardless of what's going on around them, they're okay. You know, uh, if you have a bigger, uh, a bigger house or a nicer car, uh, or if you're comparing yourself to a doctor and you think that you're not okay relative to them, um, it's an illusion because the reality is we're all equal and we're all one. We're all connected. I've got a tattoo on my wrist that I got back in the year of 2000. I, I read uh, Neil Donald Walsh's Conversation with God, a spectacular book, and I've read all kinds of self-help books because I'm in the field. But uh, this one, uh, I picked up in Grand Junction – in 1998 when I was selling pharmaceuticals and I, I read the first 10 pages and I threw it back on the shelf because I thought, this is ridiculous. This guy's not having a conversation. 
And uh, I moved to Kansas City after I quit my pharmaceutical job and went to uh, to church. And I met this woman. I started dating her. And she goes, what are you reading? I said, well, I'm not reading anything at the moment. She goes, well, you need to go pick up Conversations with God. So I went and picked it up in uh, the most profound book I've ever read. And part of what he, the message that he got in that book was that there's nothing that you have to do to be okay uh, and that we're all connected. So I went and got my little tattoo. It's two circles, uh, one, one circle is a subset of another because the reality is I was, I was trying to remind myself that when I shake somebody's hand, I, I'm shaking hands with myself because we're connected. And uh, I think people have forgotten that. And uh, they're, you know, if you had six months to live, you probably would live your life completely differently. You wouldn't be so concerned about how, how you look or what your hair looks like or what car you're driving. And uh, the reality is uh, things can change in, in a moment's notice. Uh, the end of my book is a poem. Uh, your own best friend has a poem at the very end I wrote in 2004. Uh, I didn't actually finish the book till 2006. Um, but it basically talks, I, I had come up on a, a set of railroad tracks. I'd, I'd gone across these tracks every single day. I was working for Voc Rehab out in Denver, and there was never a train. Uh, but this one day, um, I heard a horn, and at the very last moment, I decided to stop because I had that debate, do I stop or do I go? Well, I stopped, and here comes this train. So I just about um, got <laughs> by a train, and um, and then a song came on the radio. Uh, I, I think it was by Bob Marley. Everything's gonna be all right. Um, something, something, something. Um, and I was I was waiting there for a reason. So I went home and wrote a poem about it. And, and that was the ending of my book. So um, you know, life can be okay anytime you choose. And if you're waiting and looking outside yourself for things to change, uh, you're kind of putting your happiness in the control of outside forces. Well, you've just said so many amazing things there. So first of all, I want to tell you that years ago, a friend of mine sent me a a subscription to um, Spiritual Cinema Circle, and she bought me a one-year gift with them. So every every month I would get uh, a DVD, and it would have a featured movie on it, and the very first one, Kevin, was Conversations with God. So I watched the movie first, and then I went and bought the book. And I agree with you. It was so powerful. The book is massive, but it's just such a lovely read. And just to see that man's life and where it started and how he evolved, phenomenal book, phenomenal movie. So it's interesting that you also really loved that book. I, too, love that song by Bob Marley. I was in Jamaica this past February, and my husband and I uh, took a tour of the island, and we actually met some of his family. And that, believe it or not, is their mantra. Everything's going to be okay. So it doesn't matter what life hands you. And, I mean, Kevin, you're such a testament to that from the injury you sustained Most people would be like in awe knowing your story. I certainly am. And it was just such a privilege for me to work with individuals with head injuries. And much like your case scenario, I saw people come from horrific accidents. And you know what? They made a choice to back back to life, never embraced or took part in any type of stigma. One of my clients said to me, 
I, I have a brain injury. It's not who I am. It's what happened to me. And I always remembered those words and I used to always pay it forward and share that with other clients. And again, I think you're a true representation of that. How, how do you feel? We've got about four minutes left. How do you feel it's one of the best strategies is, is to let go of a stigma, especially with people with disabilities? Well, you can't, I mean, the, the bad thing about it is the medical establishment uh, likes to label people. Um, and that's one of my issues that I had with the field of mental health is uh, you, you label somebody. And I learned this very early. I, I wrote my thesis uh, back in college on retirement satisfaction. And I went in to give a speech. I, w- I went to a place called the Shepherd Center here in Kansas City to try to gather, gather my sample. I was going to measure life satisfaction. And in this talk, I, I referred to these individuals in the crowd who were all probably 80 plus uh, as elderly. And I had a, a little woman come up to me afterwards, and she said, uh, we prefer to be called older adults. So I, I learned very early the, the danger of labels. And um, with people with disabilities, and I, I worked for three or four years early on in my career with uh, people with mental retardation. Uh, in hindsight, I've worked with tons of people, but uh, the happiest people I ever worked with were people with mental retardation. And the advantage of, of their IQ level is they don't buy into the level of, of you know, looking outside themselves to be okay because the, the brain doesn't allow them to do that. So they live, in a sense, in the moment. Uh, and you can imagine how much, how much uh, flack they take from other people in life, but they don't base their self-esteem or their level of happiness on what's going on outside of them. So... Um, uh, people with disabilities, I, I very easily could be in a wheelchair, um, and I, I don't know how I survived that. So I figure uh, it, there had to have been a reason, and um, and to go uh, and, and sell something every day and, and hate my job and, and, and not have an impact on the world uh, is, is not my plan. Well, and you're certainly living those words. So I want to close out our interview. I want to read your poem. Um, it's when I read your chapter, I found it very touching. I actually got a little bit emotional. I think it's a wonderful self audit to really see who we are. And I can tell you that I am my own best friend and I love spending time with myself and I love your poem. So I'm going to read it for the listeners right now. What if you, what if you were your own best friend? Hard to imagine for most people. Never never really considered the best friend is out there somewhere, right? But what if you possess the qualities of a best friend? What kind of a friend would you be? Always supportive, never judgmental, no conditions. A best friend would like you for you, not for what you look like, not for what you own, not for what you can give them. Just show up and they are there for you. Question is, why aren't you your own best friend? What could you do? How far could you go? How far could you go? How happy could you be with you on your side? Let me show you. So, Kevin, I just want to close out and say that I wish you nothing but continued success. Please keep forging forward with your parentingsolutions.org. And it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. And I look forward to keeping in touch and watching you become the best version of you. Thank you. I I appreciate the opportunity. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Take care. 
So I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We've just had another impactful week with two amazing co-authors from the Change Book series. And I look forward to being back with you here next week, next Wednesday, 1.30 Eastern. So this is Deb Crow, your work-life balance specialist. Make it a great day.